Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to kind of flip-flop a little bit today. We're going to talk livestock first. A lot of things happening at the last minute in the trade today. And, of course, we know that the president has come out. He says he's going to force these plants to stay open. It brings up the question, how is he going to force people to come to work if they're afraid to come to work? We've heard that. Um, I have for some reliable sources within the packing industry. You look at what's that's happening. You look at the, the information coming out from the national pork board there's a lot of concerns in the trade today and it's having and weighing in on this market and we'll do so in the days and unfortunately probably weeks to come mike zuzalo is joining us with global commodity analytics and and mike frustrating times i can't even think of the words i legally can use on the air to describe what's happening in this meat industry no it really is and i think it's coming to a head susan i you know been talking to you and clay a lot about a special report i've been doing about the supply chain and covid19 and the impact that they're having on commodities and, and meat, uh, meat commodities, obviously, on the front lines, along with the, with the corn, especially in the energy-related commodities. But I think we're coming to a head at this point because we have seen a shift in the market dynamic and the sentiment of the trade in the futures market that we it's gone from we don't want your supplies to we can't get enough supplies and the wholesale markets are the ones that have really turned the eyeballs and attention and focus away from being super bearish or price negative. And, and when I look at ground beef prices at 81% uh, at level at $3.22 a pound, and I look at live cattle futures at $0.85, cents, uh, you, cannot, you cannot find in my history any kind of close relationship of that kind of an extreme ever like that before. Uh, even back in 2014 when we had that sharply higher fat cattle market and hamburger market because of the uh, problems with the pig disease. Um, and then you you know flip over and, and the leader to the downside in the last few months has been crude oil and hogs, both of them hitting 12, 15 all-time year, uh, all-time record lows. But now all of a sudden in the last week and a half to two weeks, we've seen the pork cutout go from about $50 up to $87. We've seen the ham cutout go from about $30 up to about $57. So the cutout values are now starting to reflect accurately our process issue. And we are also at the same time starting to find out that euthanized uh, pigs, euthanized poultry flocks are becoming more common. I talked to a client in southern Illinois today Another one in uh, central Illinois, one hog, one poultry, uh, both of them telling me uh, pretty tough stories that they're starting to hear. Uh, the southern Illinois poultry client actually said that he's part of a grower a group that uh, the, the main uh, company that uh, was producing the flock said uh, we're probably going to look at 10% cutback in our growers, and that was about two weeks ago. Now he's starting to hear this week that that may be a full 25% of growers. So much like the energy industry, and this is the key between the hogs and the energies and what I think ranchers and grain farmers have to realize is that whether we're dumping milk, killing pigs, euthanizing poultry, um, cutting back, we are cutting back permanently. It is going to be extremely hard to ramp back up again, and therefore the supplies are going to be short. That is eventually going to play a positive role, I think, in the grain markets if we can come out of the COVID-19 this summer. And like we've talked about before, not lose summer grilling season, not lose summer driving season because both energies 
and meats are seeing a, a sharp supply reduction and liquidation right now, and that will come back and play a role, I think a positive role, where the protein markets actually lead the grains higher as we get to the end of the end of this calendar year. You know, Mike, we've seen so many photos around social media of the grocery stores, of the shelves, meat shelves being empty, knowing cold storage has the meat in there. But from my understanding, it's got to be repackaged, and I don't want to say really reprocessed, but in many ways has to be redone to be able to go commercial versus retail um, like it's been. That, that's exactly right. I, I got that confirmation from the USDA earlier this week, late last week, when I was doing this special report. I talked to one of the main meat people that handles the cold storage for USDA, and it is a different market than what we had 25 years ago because of just-in-time uh, marketing and supply chains and because of the robotics and because of the automatic uh, machinery that we have that is pre-programmed for a specific certain amount of styrofoam package or size of styrofoam package and they buy a certain amount of styrofoam package so not to pick on a specific company but just to give the listener an idea the Cisco's out there the the uh, Unilever's out there the US uh, foods out there they service both restaurants and grocery stores they can't just turn on a dime and, and, and move all that stainless steel equipment out and bring in more sta- a different type of stainless steel equipment and different robots when they see that their restaurant line is going down and their grocery store line is going up. It just doesn't work that way because the supply chain is so tight and, and because like a chain, the supply chain is tight, when it breaks, it breaks several chains and it's very tight so the linkages break very easily. It's, it's a brittle chain is what it is, Susan, because it is so tight. And that JIT inventory management system that we started back in the late 80s, early 90s is showing the negative side of what it can do to us. So quickly here, before we have to head to break, what are we going to see with these cash cattle markets in the days to come? We know it was very quiet today. They're saying maybe Thursday, if not Friday, before we hear anything. Yeah, I think that the box beef prices and and the uh, the the uh, ground beef prices are going to continue to play a disconnect against the cash cattle movement until the. I've heard as late as today that we could be as much as two thirds offline right now in processing capacity, uh, beef beef and pork combined. Uh, until we get those places, those processing facilities back in operation, uh, I think you're going to continue to see this disconnect. But I think that the bottom line for me is is that the downside now should be limited because of what these wholesale values are doing. All right, we'll stick around, folks. When we come back, we are going to take a look at the happenings on the livestock, or excuse me, on the grain side, and see how maybe this livestock market is going to be affecting their trade in the near future. It's a fun now final bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we look at the grain side of the market trade uh, today, and Mike Zuzlo continues to join us with Global Commodity Analytics. And, and Mike, we know that the president has made that notification that he is going to force these plants to stay open. Looking at that and what's been happening in the livestock industry, at what point do we really start to see it weigh on what we're seeing in the grain markets? Well, I think we're seeing it at real time right now. In fact, the elasticity model that I use to kind of predict price based upon what the futures market's trading, I commented in the special report I referenced before the break that at a $3 or a $3.01 futures price in lead month corn, Susan, we're already trading out there towards a 3.1, 3.2 billion bushel carryover. So we've not only integrated the 20 or 30% reduction 
uh, in ethanol demand that USDA gave us on the last OASDE report. I think we're already starting to take some of the feed and residual numbers down from this processing issue because we came in at, what, around a 900 million pound uh, red meat production number last week, and that was down exactly 20% from the same period a year ago. So I think we're in real time already facing that. I think that's why the trade's so nervous after testing that 301 level, at 301 and a half, 301 and a quarter, I should say, on today's close. That 301 low held um, that big low thanks to the negative crude oil prices. Uh, traders are still very nervous, and I think farmer clients are still very nervous that we're going to go through that and that the corn is going to end up being like crude oil and, and take out levels that we shouldn't really take out. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but I think there's two big differences between corn and crude oil. One, crude oil is below the ground. Corn is above the ground and therefore is open and susceptible to weather issues. I think the second thing and probably just as important is as opposed to the crude oil not having a lot of excess storage capacity and a lot of ships on the ocean holding crude uh, offshore, we don't have that issue in the corn. We have st a stable supply and bin space at this point. Now, the new crop corn, if it is bi as big as some say, and it's 97 million planted acres, I'd be more nervous in that respect. But I think at this point in time, I'm still laser-focused on the energy markets. Until we get the crude oil market low in, we don't have an RBOB low, and we don't have an ethanol low. And I think that's where the corn has its biggest problem. So what are your thoughts on May deliveries? I, I think they'll be heavy because I think cash flow selling is going to be necessary but I don't think they're going to be as heavy as maybe in the past. I had a call from a client in Indiana. She told me that the, the elevator she works with was willing to roll her out all the way to September, take away some of her 40 positive basis from her March delivery uh, that she rolled into May, but uh, also uh, give her all the way out to September with uh, taking a little bit away from that very good, strong basis. So I think the elevators may be working more with you this time around, and I think the cash flow needs is maybe a little bit less than normal because of the government help that we've seen. Are we going to continue to see, I mean, obviously you and I were just talking about the energies, but with the ethanol and everything else, how much of a factor is that going to continue to weigh in on the trade? It's going to be probably, in my opinion, about 80% of the market. And I think we'll know if I'm right about that as early as tomorrow because we get those weekly energy stocks numbers. And if we have positive numbers and we have a reaction in the market, I mean, look at May ethanol today was down almost 6%. That's almost the heart and soul of why May corn was down, if you ask me. And one of the things that I think we have to go back and revisit is how much are we down in demand. Uh, the demand is off in energies, unleaded gas down about 25 to 30%. We pretty much know that at this stage. Prices and futures are at 66 cents. That's down 60% from the 1st of March. The retail gas market is down 30% from the 1st of March. Um, we're still sitting at $1.45 a gallon here in Atchison, about the same price as we've been the last two weeks. So it looks like to me we're trying to level off here in the unleaded gas. And while I have seen ethanol stocks go up to a record level, I'm hoping that tomorrow's data shows that we start to find a little flatter curve on that, kind of like what we saw in some of the energy data last week. We saw some lower crop ratings come out of yesterday's report. Did that surprise you? No, it did not. But I do think that wheat is pretty much on its own at this point. We've got probably the worst crop ratings factored in at this stage based upon what I've seen and what I've heard from Kansas and Oklahoma producers. I think the wheat is a real, real big player here in the next 30 days uh, in terms of helping the corn market try and gain some stability. If we get an energy market low, a U.S. dollar high, 
I think the wheat market could help us go up, and I think that's what I'm really going to be watching for. The last thing I want is a technical sell signal in the wheat market to be validated with some bad, negative, bearish news in the dollar to go shooting higher again. That would go. That would fly right in the face of this brand new special report I just put out. Who would have ever thought six months ago that we'd be talking about wheat being the leader in the trade? Well, and who would have ever thought that we would have gone to a point where the crude oil market went negative $40 and the wheat market actually held on to its gains. That that was absolutely astounding. What's what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalanalytics.biz, fill out the uh, form for a two-week trial, and request a special report, and uh, I will sell that to you at a reduced price. All right. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell. Commodity futures and options, of course, involve substantial risk of loss. are not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell is being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com, wherever you subscribe for free, and, of course, on Spotify as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Work.